Hi, this is Andy of Andy's Personal Development, and folks, we are live in the breakout room. On this episode, Cherie L. Prince is going to join us. So let me tell you a bit about her. As you can see, she's already prepared and ready to go, because this is all about our guests. She is an attorney by profession. She's also a coach and a speaker, and she's involved in a podcast entitled Play big faster she says my hope is that by sharing my experiences i can resonate with listeners on a relatable level and inspire them to take proactive steps towards securing their own financial futures sounds just about right sheree welcome to the breakout room how are you today better now that i'm here with you andy thank you so much for the invitation <laughs> thank you so much for being with us I'm looking at your information and it's so intriguing, but before I actually ask you to correlate what happened in the past and to bring you where you are now, what is the biggest message that you want the world to get when they hear the name Cherie L. Prince? What do you want people to resonate with in their minds? I don't want to sound like a cliche, but actually to play big faster. Mm -hmm. There were so many missteps just along my career. And now I'm all about helping people get those quantum leaps. So when you hear the name Sheree L. Prince, think about playing big faster, personally and professionally. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I'm interested, I'm intrigued really of the catalyst, the thing, the moment, whether it was an aha moment or something that you always desired growing up. When did you decide that you needed to become an attorney and to take that specific genre of attorneyship that you have taken? What was the moment like for you? Um, now, I don't want to age myself too much, but I grew up watching Matlock. Uh -huh. And, you know, as a little girl, I would carry around a notebook and I'd, you know, write down legal terms and things like that. Yeah. When I was in college, in undergrad, I clerked for the Department of Veterans Affairs and I assisted the staff attorney, but okay. I still didn't really know. Um, fast forward, I got my undergraduate degree, my MBA, and I still was not quite ready. Mm. It wasn't until we had a family matter that came up that caused us to go into litigation. Yeah. Fast forward, I had a failed business. And mm. that's when I really knew that, hey, I want to equip myself with this knowledge, but I also want to be able to help others. Okay, great. Thanks for sharing, Sherry. We appreciate it. But I'm going to read directly from what your stuff says. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, growing up on my grandparents' 150-plus acre farm was more than just picturesque landscapes. It was an immersive education in the importance of secure planning. After their passing, the absence of a will of trust set off a series of painful conflicts among my family members. That is critical. And I want you to tell us what that moment was like for you and how it encouraged you to get to a place where, you know what, I'm going to do something so that this is not going to happen to me again, ever, my family or people that I care about. It was that important to you. But how was that experience like and what lessons did you actually learn from it? Well, first, I mean, the first emotion, I was hurt. Ah. Um, because if you die without a will or a trust, 
no matter where you live in the world, the government has a plan for what happens to your property when you pass away. So, you know, even if you, if you don't make a plan, the government has a plan and excuse me. Sure. A couple of my family members, you know, kind of felt like they wanted to take more than their fair share. Mm. And there were other things that happened. So you had a family divided. Yeah. And, you know, having to go and probate my grandmother's estate and my grandfather's estate. And then there were funds um, also that were supposed to go to the estate. And it was just, it was really a bad time. But but hurt is the first thing. That's the first emotion that I felt. Mm -hmm. And I just never wanted that to happen to my children. I wanted to build a moat around my assets so that my children would not have to deal with that. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And now that you've come to this place where you recognize how important that is, how would you advise people to find a way to ensure that those legal documents become something not only as a practice, but something that is of great significance and importance to continuation, God forbid, that they should die. And we all have to die at some point in time. But how important is it for them to have the understanding of the relevance of how timely it is to get that correct document produced in the right time? It's like breathing. It's a must. Um, yeah. You know, you started my story with me being on my grandparents' farm. But my story started, my mother had been sick for most of my life. Mm. She passed away at the age of 36 in a nursing home. Wow. Who knew at 36 you would need long-term care? So when you say that I'll do it tomorrow or it's not important, that's just not true because there are several things, you know, other than death that can incapacitate you and take you away from your loved ones. If you have minor children, you want to make sure they're taken care of. So I always talk to people about the cost of inaction. You know, you say that doing it tomorrow is not hurting anything, but it actually is because the inaction that you're taking can foreclose a bright future for your family. Yeah, so significant. In regards to the coaching that you do, Sheree, what are some of the challenges that you are faced with with your clients or I like to use the term coaching partners Definitely. that you see happening on a regular basis? And it's just something that needs to be addressed. Is there a pattern somewhere or are they coming from all over the place? But basically, what are the challenges that you see coming from the people that you coach? One challenge that I see, um, people think that it's a very expensive process to mm -hmm. practice regular asset protection. And uh -huh. the truth is, what I do, I work with a team. Yeah. And the team that I work with is not my team, it's your team. So okay. think about this. It takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. It takes a team to build your business. So if you're in business, you probably have insurance. You know, you have insurance premiums that, premiums that you're paying right now. So you have an insurance agent. That's someone that I would put on your team. You right. should have a bank account. So you have a banker that you should be dealing with. That's another person. Um, most people, if you do not have a regular attorney, you need one. And so what I do, I help change your mindset. And I show you how to put all these people in one spot so they're working together to help you reach a common goal. And when you look at it that way, it's not that you're going out and making a new expense for your business, you are investing in yourself and in your business. So I take the people that you already have and I show you how to make them work for you and to communicate. And it really, really 
changes the lives of the people that I work with. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing. I'm looking at people basically in terms of the things that we want to do, the things that we want to accomplish. I'm looking at my personal life, for example. And based on what you just said, it sounds to me as though it is extremely important to have a team of people that would keep you accountable. And we do that a lot in coaching. We always tell people, and I have a coach or mentor myself that I turn to from time to time. But some people try to self-diagnose. Some people try to take a position of, well, I'm going to Google it up. I'm, you know, I'm going to know it all. But Cherie, tell us how important it is for people to recognize that even if it's going to cost you a little more, it is better to deal with someone who knows what they're about is a professional you can trust and they're going to give you the return on the investment that you made. Exactly. I tell people, treat it like a wellness visit. If mm -hmm. you meet with your team collectively at least once a year and there may be something that comes up, yeah. so you go to a specialist, like you said, you make that investment. Yeah. So, you know, would you go to a cardiologist if you stumped your toe? No. no, no. You need to find the right professional for the needs that you have in your business, because it can cost you so much more trying to self-diagnose, or I tell people, do not go to Google University, mm -hmm. because Google is not the answer for everything. Don't go to LegalZoom, yeah. because LegalZoom, those are templates. And so when you're, if you're actually in business, you need to be in business. Mm, yeah, I get it. I get it. Makes sense. Thanks for sharing, Cherie. You said that you want to empower entrepreneurs with the knowledge and the tools they need to navigate this critical aspect of their success. Do you find a lot of pushback from people who would probably say, you know what, I got that covered. Oh, my folks didn't do that that, that way. There's always some sort of background where it's either cultural, religious, or political, or otherwise, that says to them, now nah, we shouldn't go in that direction. Do you have that kind of scenario coming across some people who you try to lead in the right direction? Yeah, you have the common objections. Either I can't afford it. I have to ask my spouse. I don't have enough assets. Um, so those are like some of the common objections. But what I found is I give people, I try to over-deliver. Yeah. So I have all these free resources um, and opportunities to like just come and get the basic understanding for what you need. Yeah. And at the point that you would like to work with me, you feel more comfortable because I've given you this value ahead of time. And I've shown you this is what I can do. And this is what you can accomplish if you take these steps. Yeah, sounds good to me. So Cherie, tell us a bit about Play Big Faster. Where did the idea to get that podcast up and running come from? And what is the main message that you want the audience to get? Well, when I, inv when I invested into my first coaching program, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. My very first coach encouraged me to do a podcast. And so in doing the podcast, I really had to think about my audience and what I wanted to share. And I didn't want it to be about me. Mm. Okay. I wanted to provide a resource to entrepreneurs, not just about asset protection, because you need protection 
in every area of your, of your life. So the podcast itself um, just gives hacks, tips, and resources to entrepreneurs. But the concept of playing big faster is about shortcuts. It's about quantum leaps. You know, you can spend five years trying to figure something out on your own, or you can go work with someone who has a proven program with yeah. principles. Mm-hmm. And, and principles are different. Principles work right. for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, tall, short, you know, where you live in the world. Principles work for anybody. So I put together a set of known principles. I mean, and these are not things that I created. These are just things that I put together that work, that other people have proven, that I've shown in the coaching program. And so it just teaches people how to have quantum leaps. So instead of five years, let's take that down to a year or six months because somebody has gone before you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, Cherie. In terms of what you do and the experiences that you have had with people, your clients and stuff, um, is there a possibility of you doing some sort of journaling? Is there a book in the making that would further enhance the value of what you're doing and people could just find it all at one place at the bookstore, Amazon, as the case might be? I am working on a book. And yes. it's so it is so funny that you ask because I have a draft and I am so fierce in every area of my life. Uh-huh. And I've just been taking my time on this book and actually getting it out into the world. Okay. But yes, it'll be out probably mid 2024, the book, but I do free trainings once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're able to come in and you actually can leave with a uh-huh. blueprint of an estate plan. Um, I also have a Facebook group where you can just come and people raise their hands, ask questions, and we help each other and we bounce questions around. It's totally free. There's no pitching. Nobody's trying to sell you anything in the group. You just come and get good resources. Yeah, great. Sounds like something to look forward to. I'm going to check out that Facebook Facebook group, actually. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. So, Cherie, you have been through some stuff with your family and it has been a learning experience for you. In terms of how the system is right now with regards to legal opportunities, legal rights, and so on, are there any changes? Are there any comparison to the time that you would have experienced those things as compared to now? And if so, what are the effects? I don't think there have been any significant changes. The change is me. Uh, Uh, I just think every individual needs to equip themselves with a basic set of skills and knowledge. You don't have to know the same thing that your attorney knows, but you have to know like the basic building blocks of how to start a conversation to make sure that your that your accountant, your yeah. tax preparer, your tax planner, that you can have the conversations to get the desired goal. Yeah. And so, um, and that's the thing, that's what I help people with because you can actually put together your own estate plan. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can, but you have to know the basic building blocks. And so I try not to make that a barrier for people who, you know, want to do it themselves. Yeah, I get that. Well, I'm, I'm from the Caribbean, right? And our system legally is sort of in some ways mirroring that of the British. But in terms of someone getting a business off the ground, I mean, like from scratch, starting from the basic foundation and building up, 
what are some of the things that you would advise them to put in place? We, we know we have to do down here. There are certain documentations you have to file for, IRS, NIS, VAT, etc. But in addition to that, in terms of the ability to protect at least their initial investment, what are some of the things that someone can do legally to ensure that even if it does not totally get off the ground, that at least there's some level of protection for the initial investment that they would have made? Okay, so I do love this question. Um, <laughs> I start people off with the concept of a three entity system. Mm -hmm. So um, let's say that you have a construction company. Right. Most people just have that one entity. You know, mm -hmm. in the States, a lot of people will go and open an LLC and they'll just run everything out of one LLC. Yeah. Well, part of what I do is I show you with the blueprint, if you're like, think about building a house, you have a roof. So at the very top, that may be your will or your trust, or it could be another LLC, it could be a corporation. The second level, which is the frame for your house, that's your holding company. Mm -hmm. And what does the holding company do? It does not provide services. So it should not be subject to liability. Right. The liability should be at the very bottom, which mm -hmm. is your foundation. That's your operating company, your construction company. And depending on um, any ancillary services and the amount that you're running through the company, you mm -hmm. may have ancillary companies. So you may have a management company, you may have a marketing company, and so we start with at least three entities. That's phase one. Phase two, I take you through a decision tree. So in this in this in this um, example, we have a construction company, which is usually a brick and mortar company. But I would ask you, is your company brick and mortar or is it an e-commerce company? Because the laws are different. Sales tax, different. The way that you put your initial investment into the company is different because um, you want to make sure that you also get tax savings. Yeah, and I, yeah. I don't give tax advice, but that's why we have a team. So first question, brick and mortar or e-commerce? Second question, um, is this a public facing company? Mm. Like for instance, Kim Kardashian is the face of scams yeah. and everything Kim puts her face on, people just love it and they buy it. Okay. Yeah. So that would be a public facing company. Okay. Or do you desire anonymity? Mm. In the States, you know, if you desire anonymity, you don't want people to know that you have an affiliation with the company. Then we may have to file your documents in Wyoming, Nevada, or Delaware. Okay. So that changes a few things as well, including where your money may be. So those are the first types, the first two questions. Third question, we look at your insurance mm. because you're talking about <clears throat> protecting your money. Right. Yeah. People think that, <clears throat> that you can throw insurance at a problem and fix it. A lot of times we are overinsured. So wow. what I do, I will take like I'll do a review of your insurance and we take all your insurance down to the state minimums. What does that do? That decreases your premiums. So you may have been paying out a thousand dollars a month just for insurance premiums. Well, that's money out the door. Mm. Now you may be paying 500. So what can you do with that other 500? You can reinvest it into your business. You can put it into marketing and advertising to grow and scale your business. You can put it into a reserve account. Yeah. And part of the three entity system, when we talk about protecting your money, we're putting it in places where it makes your operating company look judgment proof. It's hard to get to. And we're putting it in the safest places that we can put it. 
Wow. I'm beginning to learn so many things just from what you described. Thank you for sharing. I want to take it a step further because I think we need to understand how we can protect ourselves through different phases of the business. I had personal problems with shareholders in my company, the company that I started about 25 years ago. And one of the things that I did not do because I did not look into it, I did not think it was going to be necessary. I did not protect or insulate myself against that person being a shareholder, making certain demands that would make me feel displaced and discomforted and lose the opportunity to make the final decisions that I knew was in the best interest of my company. And I'm saying, if I had known better, if I had the information, if I had the knowledge, if I had someone like Cherie <laughs> to guide me, I would have made better and informed decisions. How important it is for us to understand the process of insulating ourselves from shareholders in a company settings where decisions that are final are incumbent upon those shareholders in terms of not just the amount of shares that they have, but in terms of the company going forward and achieving certain objectives. How can I, if let's say I'm the main or the majority shareholder, how do I protect myself in that instance, legally? Andy, this is so good. How much time do we have, Andy? Because I <laughs> here. I'm just asking now, I'm asking. So, um, you know, if you have, it depends on the type of entity structure. I'm right. going to go with the two most common, LLCs or corporations. Right. So if you have an LLC, I say get what's called a titanium operating agreement. Wow. And titanium is my term. But when you think about titanium, the, the actual mm -hmm. element itself, you know, you can't break it. It's like, yeah. boom. Yeah. So there are a series of clauses that I advise people to put into their operating agreements. And a lot of those clauses, and this is something that you have to know, you don't have to be an expert, but you yeah. know how we talked about the building blocks, just basic knowledge. So some of the building blocks um, that I share with people in terms of what to put in those agreements. One, you must, you must have spousal consent agreements. Mm. Um, because what happens if one of the shareholders passes away yeah. and so now their spouse walks in and say, Hey, I'm your new partner. Mm. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I did not want to go into business with you. Yeah. So that's, you know, one form of legal protection, having the spouse consent to certain things. Um, another legal protection, having a key man policy and providing in the operating agreement, you know, how is that going to be paid for? Is it going to be company funds? And, you know, what does it actually buy out? Does it just, you know, does that, there's so many different ways you can do that. And yeah. also how your state can actually come in upon your death. So when you talk about protecting yourself legally, a lot of it is going to depend on those initial agreements before you even sign the documents. And also, um, people don't think about litigation. You're just thinking, I need this agreement while we're in business. So what happens if the business gets ready for an exit? So wow. when, I say, when I say exit, what do you yeah. think about? You think about selling your business, right? Yeah, and getting out. Okay. People, a lot of people say, well, that means I'm going to sell the business. Well, a bankruptcy is an exit. Ah. The dissolution of a partnership may be an exit, depending on the structure. Yeah. If you're a sole proprietor, your death is an exit because you are the business. 
So there are so many different ways, or even, you know, you have different bankruptcies, but even a reorganization or a merger is an exit. So when you're putting these titanium agreements together, you have to think about your exit. And you also have to have a cooling down period or a cooling off period. Yeah, yeah. And what that does, you know, sometimes people will go to court and try to invalidate a legal document. They'll say, well, hey, I signed this under duress, you know, 24 hours before a big decision. And if I didn't sign it, um, my partner told me he wasn't going to participate. So if you have a decent cooling, cooling off period, and I recommend six months for anything, if it's something huge, that's not a lot of time when you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into a business. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so much value. I'm, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. There's so much content, so much value in what Cherie is saying. Stand by for this. FindRadioGuest.com, the place to click to find guests to interview for free. And if you're a radio show booker, podcaster, talk show host, or television producer, then this is the place to get podcasts and radio interviews or promote your books and products as a guest expert sponsor. FindRadioGuest.com, check it out. FindRadioGuest.com place to click to find guests to interview for free and if you're a radio show booker podcaster talk show host or television producer then this is the place to get podcasts and radio interviews or promote your books and products as a guest expert sponsor find radio guests.com check it out ah uh, people we have been in the presence of I should say legal royalty. <laughs> Cherie L. Prince has been giving us some really fantastic nuggets, great information, and how we can protect ourselves legally and how we can use the tools that her team has prepared so that we can make better choices, better informed choices about going forward, creating that opportunity for insulating ourselves against all the legal activities that could possibly take place down the road. Sheree, I'm looking at collaboration and I'm thinking in terms of, I've seen some giant collaborations in the past. I've seen BMW, Mercedes and Audi get together and form a large corporation. And that's a powerful corporation. Let's just imagine as an entrepreneur, I may have several startup businesses and someone reaches out to me and says, look, I think we should join forces together because I may be in manufacturing and they may be in distribution and what we do could complement each other. So let's join forces together. What are some of the legal things that we need to put into place? Should we decide, yes, it looks lucrative. It looks valuable. They are reputable. We can trust them. They have 10 years of history in the business, et cetera. They have a client base. What are some of the things that we can look at legally to protect ourselves in going forward? Should we decide, yes, this deal may be in our best interest? So one thing you want to look at, um, you want to look and see if the existing company you have mm -hmm. is right for a merger 
Uh-huh. Or, or would you like to create a new company? Mm. Are you going to have a true partnership? Is it going to be a joint venture? And just uh-huh. really depending on the health of both companies, that's how you kind of decide how to go forward. And okay. I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. So you probably would not want an LLC to own a corporation because mm-hmm. of tax consequences. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on the type of company that you're merging with, even though you're complementary, a better recommendation may be for that company and your company to form a brand new company. And you, those companies are members or shareholders of the new company. Because what does that do? It allows you to separate the current liability from both companies. And if there's you know, a chance that the, you guys want to split off and not stay merged, then you just have to dissolve the new company. Because sometimes, I know you've heard Enron, um, mm, yeah. WorldCom, things like that. If yeah. People can really hide certain things on the books. So mm-hmm. I tell people to make sure that you understand what you're actually doing. Is it a merger, a joint venture, or a partnership? Because the implications really will affect you down the road. And what do you have to think about? The exit. If this does not work out, how hard is it to unwind this partnership? So if it's something that's complimentary, that's fine. But you still want to look at the exit plan on it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Do you get involved or are you currently involved with any non-governmental organizations? And the reason why I ask that is because I'm thinking about the stuff that you're sharing. It's it's so important. It's so vital that young minds, for example, that are growing up in the community and are probably thinking about doing business later on or even taking care of their families, their loved ones, whatever assets that they need to protect. How do they get this information? At what stage, at what level? And sometimes people are involved with non-governmental organizations or they're involved with the schools in their areas. There's these youth development projects that they are into. Are you involved in any of these currently, Sheree? Well, on a regular basis, people will ask me to, you know, come and do seminars. And I do a lot of those free of charge. Um, There are some local colleges that I provide free training for Mm -hmm. because we have a problem. We have a problem in Mississippi with a lot of people not having wills or estates. So their land passes through intestate succession. So you may have a group of people who are like second and third generation living on a plot of land that's titled in their grandmother or great grandmother's name. And it creates problems. The land is lost. So um, there are a lot of nonprofits and educational institutions that I provide um, some guidance for and some free training. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Okay, with regards to mentoring, Do you have any person or persons that you have picked out to mentor in terms of a future, I shouldn't say clone, but no, that's that's not the word that I want to use. That's not the correct word. But a future part of what you're doing, you can say to yourself, I have continuity. So that let's say 10, 15 years down the road, you decide I'm going to retire. I'm going to relax, go on vacation or whatever I choose to do. There's some person or persons who are going to take up where you have left off because you have been mentoring them to take that kind of approach towards the protection of legal assets and stuff. Are you in that process right now? Andy, I wish I could say that I was. Um, Uh, My my daughter is 
is a, um, an undergraduate school and she's uh -huh. looking at law school because I'm still a practicing attorney in Mississippi. Right. But um, she is so not interested. And most of the people, you'd be amazed, most of the people I talk to, mm -hmm. once they understand what I do, yeah, you know, they like it, but I have not found anyone who is eager enough to kind of pick the mantle up and go forward. Wow. You know, ho hopefully I have a few years in front of me and I'll find somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. What about a mentor in your life, Cherie? That person, that still voice, that foundational individual that you go to and you know they're going to be there for you, non-judgmental, non-biased. They're going to listen to you more than anything else. Will not tell you what to do, but certainly lead you in a direction where you're going to make that right choice. I'm not talking about a professional coach. I'm talking about a mentor, that person that maybe not many people knows about. It's two o'clock in the morning. You could still knock on their door. What is it, Sherry? Hey, I got, I got this thing that I need to deal with. It's a decision that I have to make. Can you just hear me out? Is that person in your life? Oh, yes. Um, my friend, Natalie. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go a step further. Mm -hmm. Natalie is the type of person that it could be two in the morning, three in the morning. Yeah. And you can call and say, hey, I need you to come drive to this warehouse where we pick this thing, you know, get rid of this thing in the trunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's like, let's go. She don't, she doesn't want to know what's in the trunk, but that's the kind of friend she is. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. Are you involved in sports? Funny story. Um, <laughs> I don't play a lot now, but I love basketball. I mm -hmm. really love basketball. I have a teenage son that swears that he's a better player than I am, but you know, I let him win. On the okay. Case. Okay. Right. And I used to try to get into tennis, but I'm so out of shape now, Andy. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. But yes, that's the next thing. When it when it warms up again, I'm going to try to hit the courts again. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the, the success that you have, and, and I'm gauging from the things that you're saying, sometimes we can get pulled away and, and don't realize that that is a holistic aspect to the life that we live. And we need to get that balance. So I'm going to take it a step further. What about, what's your favorite sandwich? Is it peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese? Ham, no cheese. <laughs> Why ham and no cheese? I'm just not a big cheese person. But like, literally, my grandparents used to have cows and hogs. And they were like, every year, they would, you know, kill a, kill a hog. And we had everything from the snout to everything in the freezer. So, um, you know, I just love ham, sausage, bacon. I'm just not a big dairy person. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So in terms of vehicles, what's your choice? Ford, Acura, Lincoln? Can I say none of the above? <laughs> okay. I will say... Um, they're not bad. I just, it's not a prejudice. It's a preference. Ah. Right. Um, but if I had to choose, give me, uh, the Lincolns are really nice. The new Lincolns mm -hmm. are nice. Yeah. They, they used to be like your grandparents' car, but the new mm -hmm. ones are nice. So I would say Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln. All right. That's cool. So in terms of online companies, would you go with Google or do you prefer Microsoft? 
I'm a Google person, mm -hmm. but I'm quickly leaning over to Microsoft just because of the issues that Google's currently having with email and stuff. Uh, yeah. But traditionally, I've been a Google person. Yeah. And the last question that I normally ask in this sequence is, what's the favorite pastime for you with sport? Is it NBA, NFL, NHL, WNBA? What is it? NBA. NBA. What's mm -hmm. your favorite team? And I said, you, this is going to date me a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, Michael Jordan has not been with the Bulls in how long? But they are forever going to be my favorite team. I don't care okay. if they never win another game. I get that. I get that. that that's a legacy approach. Ah, that's amazing. Okay. So, Cherie, what is the main message that you want the world to get with regards to understanding the value of asset protection, whether it be your personal estate, an investment, whatever it is? What is the main message, the main trust of the message that you want people to really get sink into their spirits with regards to asset protection? That you must create an estate plan to build a moat around your assets, regardless of the amount of income you have, the amount of wealth that you've saved or amassed, that it is a critical part of legacy building, asset protection, and tax planning. Mm, yeah. Are you heavily involved in the use of AI for the stuff that you do? Oh my gosh, Andy, have you been reading my mail? <laughs> no, I'm so serious. I haven't. <laughs> I, well, okay. But I literally recently created, um, it's a small tutorial and yeah. it's about AI and estate planning. Because mm -hmm. you know, when you tell me that, well, I don't have an attorney or I don't have the money to do this, I've created a series of prompts that you can, you know, use with chat GPT or any other AI platform. Yeah. Yeah. And you put in the prompts and it tells you the documents that you need to start your estate plan. It can give you clauses to put in. And it's really a, you know, kind of do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're somebody with a decent amount of income who can afford an attorney, go to an attorney. But if you just have maybe a house and a car or just a few other assets that you can do yourself, this basically spits out what you need to do and how you need to do it. Yeah. And how are people responding to that? They love it because okay. everybody's, you know, people are just playing on chat GPT and they're mm -hmm. taking some of the um, AI software and like putting your head on somebody else's body. And so people love it. It's a new thing. It's novel and it's free. So yeah. if, I can, if I can start you out for free and you can still have the same outcome, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at online investments and I'm thinking about aligning asset protection to online investments, whether it be Bitcoins or whatever it is they use out there. I'm not so much into it. I was for a time and then um, some things just fell off the wagon, not all the wheels, just a couple of the wheels. And some of us are kind of a bit disillusioned about it, but do you have that situation where people come to you and say, okay, you know what, I'm involved in this online trading platform or investment, and I need to find a legality, a legal clause in which I could protect my investment online because it's part of my asset. So when you say protected online, each mm -hmm. individual investment is going to have its own terms and conditions. 
Yeah. But what I recommend to people, um, I have a process called the three eyes. The first eye is you identify your assets. So mm-hmm. in this case, this is an online asset. You identify whether this is a business asset or a personal asset, and you actually look at those terms and conditions because part of the protection is knowing the risk for losing the asset. Is it tied to a certain stock index? Um, or you know, what is it tied to? Is it tied to a certain bank rate or something? The um the second eye is that you do an inventory. Once you identify the assets and you know if it's business or personal, you make a list of all those online assets or if they're physical assets. And then the third eye is you improve the classification. So now that you've identified your online assets, you're going when you improve the classification of those, if it's something that you purchased with um, your personal funds, but you're using them in your business, I show you how to clean all that up. So part of that protection is doing that and making sure that once you finish the third step, that those assets are in the right entity. So if, and if you and I have been working together, you have at least three entities. But now that I'm hearing that, okay, I have these online assets, I'm gonna say, I would probably put those in a third, not a third, another entity, because I, I know people that have others. So, and that's going to really depend on the type, you know, is it a Shopify store? Is it NFTs? Um, Do you have IP? Like, you know, you own other IP stuff. So a lot of that's going to depend, but that's how I would start the conversation. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing. But sometimes people don't read the fine print. You yeah, but sometimes we don't have the time to do it. Let me tell you something. There's a culture where I am from. I'm going to buy a book, machinery, a device, even a motor vehicle, and I will not take the time to read the thing that goes with it, the book, the book that tells us it was manufactured, so and so place, and so time. These are the features. This is how you maintain it. Um, If you have to look at the current or electricity voltage, this is what works better, et cetera, et cetera. We don't do that. You know what happens most of the times? And I say we because it's, it's like socially endemic. We dig up in the phone and by accident we discover. And then when we reach a place where we can go further, we then go back to the manual. That is not a good practice. We should look at the entire manual first. So in that case, should we go to Sheree and say, hey, you know what? I'm making this investment. It's going to cost me X. I need you to prepare a legal document from scratch that would protect me and the investment I'm about to make. Now, Andy, I don't, you know, you almost put me up there with Santa Claus and Jesus because (laughs) Sometimes I can't cure everything. You know, a lot of what I'm hearing is that the person just needs to be more proactive and responsible. Yeah. Because uh, even if I prepare the document, what if you did not read the document that I prepared? It's, so don't it's, you, okay, but if you prepare the document, don't you go through with them before it's finally signed and sealed and you make sure that they understand everything and they make sure that they understand what the level of protection they are getting? Oh yeah, we definitely do that. Okay, okay. Um, but I, I thought we were like in the, in the example of 
the online investments. Right. You look at those initial terms and conditions, or you're buying a car. You yeah. got to look at the warranty and stuff. Yes. So, but yeah, oh, definitely. We go through everything. And I have so many disclaimers. Hey, I've explained this. You understand that if you do not do X, Y, and Z, this may happen. Mm -hmm. And some people still don't do their due diligence. It just keeps happening. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Cherie. I, I want to give you the opportunity now to tell folks how they can get your services, how they can reach out to you. I will personally put some of what I have with regards to, yeah, I've got your personal website here and your Facebook page. I'm going to put that up on the chat as well, but share yours with them personally. Okay. Um, the best way to reach me is LinkedIn and you can mm -hmm. reach it's at Cherie Speaks and, you know, just send me a message. I'll respond back, but I also have a Facebook group. And like I said, in the Facebook group, people just come get help. They raise their hand or if they have resources, we share resources in the group. There's no selling or pitching. So you don't have to worry about seeing ads and people trying to sell you stuff, sell you stuff. That is the small business owners, entrepreneurs, and solopreneurs Facebook group. And I also have a free webinar that I do once a month called mm -hmm. the Asset Protection Blueprint. Mm -hmm. And um, you actually leave with a baseline estate plan. I show you how to put it together. And if you're interested, you can take advantage and get those AI prompts and get started. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. We got one minute to go. I'm looking... I'm taking me as the example. I like doing that a lot. I'm looking at assets and building of assets, the protection of assets, but I'm concerned about providing a legacy for continuity for my children and my grandchildren. It's like long-term, next 15, 20 years, and then probably they could take it from there. What are some of the best ways that I can actually do that with regards to the documentation? for that process to continue? I am a huge proponent for a trust-based estate plan. And wills are okay, but wills are public documents. Some people choose to do what's called a testamentary trust. And, you know, in your will, it says, when I die, I want my assets to go into a trust. Well, it's still a public document. Yeah. So if you, if you create a trust during your lifetime, when you pass away, the assets of the trust can go into sub-trust for your children, your spouse, and there are so many options that you can have. So if you're talking about legacy planning and not just mm -hmm. asset protection, but legacy planning, I would definitely recommend getting with um, a legal professional and just talking about a trust and yeah. the different sub-trust. And right. I know you said we ain't got but a minute, but um, also depending on if you have minor children, it's not always a good idea to leave everybody an even amount of money or resources because you may have one child that may require more. Like, does this child need medical care that the other kids don't need? Does this child have an aptitude, you know, to go to Harvard? It's going to cost more. So, mm -hmm. I mean, those are the types of things that I share with people when they look at their estate plan. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, Cherie, and we thank you so much for being on the program, the broadcast the breakout room. Please remember folks that you can check out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sherry Speaks. 
and her podcast, Play Big Faster. This has been Andy in the breakout room from Andy's Personal Development together with my guest, Cherie L. Prince. And I'm saying now, remember our three watchwords, health, happiness, and prosperity. And you should strive for all three in everything that you do in this life. Until next time, on behalf of our guest and myself, we are saying so long, God bless, shalom, namaste. Bye for now, people. Bye.